When we're young, we move with freedom and confidence, with a great resilience to injury. Somewhere along the line, we develop poor habits and become more vulnerable to back pain. Smart Strong features evidence-based and practical advice to help you take back control of your health and get back to the activities you love. This is your guide to better health through movement. So join us as we demystify some of the commonly held beliefs about back pain and build your confidence to a stronger back, the smart pain. Welcome back to the Smart Strong podcast. I'm Ben James and I'm back with my co-host Jacob Stain. Morning, Jacob. Good morning, Ben. So, jumping right in, last time we introduced the Smart Strong podcast, what we're about, what we're trying to achieve, and we also talked about disc pain, disc herniation, slip disc, as it's commonly called, with no doubt various other names as well. And really we focused on that based on Jacob's experience of disc herniation when he started out in practice and how he wasn't getting better and what approach he he took and jumping right back in there Jacob you discussed the treatment you had initially from a chiropractic colleague and it didn't improve so talk a little bit more tell us a little bit more about how you took those first steps and really can we assume that there's a lot of people out there suffering the same problem that are getting the wrong treatment. Um, yeah, so sorry, Benny. Ben, what was your uh, first question? So you you saw a chiropractic colleague initially. So you you obviously, with your experience, had a good idea of what the problem was. Yes. And so... then you sought help for that problem and the approach they took um talk us through the kind of diagnosis and what they suggested as a treatment plan and then uh, you know how that progressed initially before you said right i've got to take some action myself sure so um my story actually started when i um i had a back pain a low back pain that didn't go away yeah and uh like i mentioned in the last podcast um this actually started at the beginning of my career. Um, I I finished my studies. I went back to South Africa for a couple of months and I started working um, in the Netherlands as a chiropractor. All this time I had a, a, a low back pain that didn't disappear. And I, I was never used to having pain that stayed for that long. It usually would have gone away like, uh, like we usually experience. You know, it's there for maybe a couple of days and that goes away. And... Um, I didn't know that it was a disc problem at that time. You know, I, <clears throat> I didn't think about it too much to be often, to be honest. I just thought, uh, you know, just, I was just waiting for it to go away and I was just doing my thing, uh, kind of ignoring it really. And Which is what just jumping in. A lot of people are going to be doing. Exactly. I mean, quite often we just hope it will go away and quite often it does. Yeah. But in this case, I, I was working for maybe three weeks in my new job. Um, my first three weeks as a chiropractor, uh, you know, I, I don't have to lie about it. It was a little bit stressful, of course. Yeah. And I, um, uh, I remember waking one morning with excruciating pain down my leg and, uh, I, I knew what that was, what it meant. So I went to work and, uh, my colleague diagnosed my problem and it was obviously very clear to me also. 
that I had a, a hernia on my left leg or going down my left leg and yeah. it was it was low it was in my low back there was a severely injured disc and I had about two to three months of chiropractic typical chiropractic treatment of just um, uh, having it manipulated and you know being with a colleague actually he was my boss very experienced you you give yourself over to the idea that it's going to get better and you're in good hands and so you put your you know, yeah you put your you put your self in the kind of control of the practitioner the experienced individual that you assume as we always do is is going to do the right thing and clearly that's what the aim of most people would be to do but it's not necessarily the case that it's always the correct approach um yeah i mean you you automatically do that and if you have somebody guiding you you know i think guiding is a good word then it it makes a lot of sense if they are uh, sincere and they use the right information and the diagnosis is fitting and the treatment method is also uh, the right one then I think there's nothing wrong with it. But in this case, you know, I was um, I was having excruciating pain every day, constantly. Uh, could barely bend over because of the nerve tension going down my leg. And um, two to three months of just manipulation of my low back, uh, loosening it, I had 5% improvement. And that was a real shame. So I realized I had to go and look a little bit further, and I, uh, like I said before, I went to McGill, Stuart McGill, Professor Stuart McGill's courses, and uh, after going to the first course, two, two weeks, one to two weeks after the course, applying his techniques, I, uh, I had 50 to 60% improvement. And just jumping in there, what, what do you think, what was that? classic treatment are we talking you were on your kind of side posture so the the chiropractor put you on your side and and adjusted that low back so the kind of classic manipulation yes so you'd have manipulation of the low back where you lie on your side upper leg uh, pulled up and then you you get a little bit of a rotation but then a, a force usually going um diagonal through the back uh of course there are many different ways of doing this but that's the standard way of doing it, and um, that's what I had. So, you know, fairly gentle, good manipulation, nothing wrong with that. Uh, but the idea behind it is to stimulate nerve endings in the joint and um, create a little bit of movement, which also uh, relaxes the muscles around it. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then a little bit of soft tissue work on mainly my uh, psoas, the muscle deep in the low back, running through the, the, the pelvis towards your upper leg on the side of the hernia, you know, as, as this muscle tenses up a lot. So that's basically what I had for treatment. Yeah, and we talk a little bit more in depth about the anatomy of the disc and structures around it in a in a future episode. But I think, yeah, that's important the, to recognize that muscle in, in terms of this injury and in terms of the impact that it can have. Um, so just for those guys listening, we talk about that a little bit more in detail as we move forward. So you got a little bit of soft tissue work and and manipulation, and that was that was the main approach. That was the main approach, yes. And how often um, were they? How often you were you getting that that treatment? 
at this point, at least weekly. Okay. So it wasn't kind of two, three times a week, because that's something we also often see, isn't it? In the acute phase, people are, are told, yeah, you need to come in three times a week for four weeks or oh, something crazy. I think for me, it was mainly once a week. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And and based on um, based on the improvements or the lack of improvement and based on what you did after that, which we'll talk about in a moment, why, why do you think that didn't help initially? Yeah, so... Um, as I think the answer lies in what we'll cover just in a moment when we look at what actually helped. Yeah. But um, the, you know, I mean, when you you have an injured body part, in this case the disc between two vertebrae, uh, first of all, the body needs time to recover. Mm-hmm. I think... Um, going with the time to recover, it needs an ideal situation in which it recovers. So creating this ideal situation, that would be the first thing to look at doing, you know. And so um, removing the things that are actually uh, applying pressure and unwanted uh, unwanted pressure and uh, posture through the part of the body which is not recovering. That, that would be the first step. And I think, so the reason why I didn't recover was I didn't address uh, the issue of creating this environment in which my body can heal. Yeah. Uh, as I kept working um, and, you know, I didn't take any time off. And um, the manipulation itself, I can see that it, it could potentially create a better environment for healing. But in my view and my experience, it didn't actually create what was necessary for the disc to heal. I think it's, you know, it's the the manipulation itself aims towards creating more mobility. Yeah. Whereas what I needed was, and what I had was a lack of stability. So I needed more stability, which was, which would create the environment in which I could heal. Yeah, got it. And and so what we're saying is that the manipulation itself um, can have a positive impact if applied at the correct time in the correct place, which isn't necessarily um, around that lumbar disc. That might be up in the thoracics where an individual might be stiff and there might be a lot of restrictions, which has caused more focus and movement on the low back, which could have contributed to this problem. Um, but what we're actually saying mainly is if manipulation is being applied applied in isolation then really you get in a disservice for this kind of injury yes i think that's it the lack of understanding of what will actually get the disc better and that's also an understanding of actually what caused the problem at the disc and removing those factors and creating the stability i think that that's that's what you got to aim at when you look at a uh, an injured disc you know i mean the injured disc is only a uh, <clears throat> uh, it's a hinge between two bones and you can imagine the only thing that gives it stability is the muscles around it obviously the ne- neurology that that drives the mus- musculature but um then you got to look at your environment and see okay how often as a chiropractor i was bending over a lot 
and I was uh, I was giving people exercises. I was going to the floor, and and that that hinging and rotation through the lower back was for me a big problem. Yeah, so it's the repetitive motions for you that were that were adding strain to to that disc and and exacerbating that problem. And I guess the question then also for me is, uh, and no doubt for people listening would be, you know, why why aren't people given the advice in how they should create that environment for healing in terms of the you know the the small actions and the small things they can be doing themselves at home uh, and throughout the day to support healing it often seems that the focus is on what that practitioner or individual is doing in the clinical setting and do you think that's the practitioner's fault is it to some degree the patient's fault where do you think the the problem lies well, there i i i prefer not to give the fault to the patient um you know we got to stay optimistic and and try to motivate encourage and yep. um empower the patient so uh i think but of course there are always patients who are going to be a little bit more difficult than others we, we should be honest about this but i think the for me in my observation and my experience with uh, working with a lot of chiropractors I think we, a beautiful thing about chiropractic is the fact that there are so many different styles. Everybody can apply their own personality, their own thing. This makes it good in one way, which means it's not standardized as you would get a pill from a doctor, which means everybody's getting the same treatment, um, as we need different, we need different approaches. I like that, uh, that, that it, this, this, this fact, but um, I think that it's also then easy uh, for the situation to go in the opposite direction where um, uh, a therapist or a chiropractor would end up in a comfort zone. They would do what suits them. And what we uh, call it is, you know, um, you, you create as a chiropractor, you create a system and you put people through your system. And in a way it is, you looking through your glasses, you know, like a, maybe a surgeon would be more inclined to uh, operate. Um, a physio would be more um, inclined to do something that suits them in their way of working. And in the sa same way, a chiropractor would be more inclined to manipulate somebody, yeah. you know. Uh, so I think that's the danger. We end up in a comfort zone and we end up putting people through um, a very similar way of treating them instead of, I think, also working on ourselves as a, as a therapist. So broadening our own horizon in terms of uh, approach to towards patients um, and, uh, you know, not getting stuck in a speciality, a speciality, and, um, and, and, and diagnosing everybody through that lens. Yeah, I think, I think that's the danger. And I suppose the message, therefore, for the people listening or um, that have suffered a back problem, suffering a back problem that may um, have been diagnosed as a disc or is a suspected disc injury, then you've really got to be confident enough to challenge that practitioner to ask them about what they can be doing at home, what active approach they can be taking 
because quite clearly if they're not getting that then they're not getting the optimum treatment i think i think so um you know the ideal situation is where you don't have to challenge the practitioner where the practitioner has already got a um uh, their hands on a very active recovery protocol and um, make sure that you know they they're adjusting your everyday uh, habits to create this environment where your body or your back will heal that would be the ideal situation but I think the message for for patients is that they have to they have to try and find somebody that's going to not only do manual treatment but also give you advice on training or uh, especially exercises, you know, a, a functional approach because you have to restore, in this case, if you look at a disc injury, you have to restore the, the necessary stability in the low back to give that disc the rest it needs to recover. So yeah. this, will, this will start with very basic uh, hip hinge, you know, bending through the hip being able to to know what you're doing with your back in terms of not bending through the back but bending through the hips, you know these sort of exercises, and that when when those things are established and the patient's able to do them, then you build that up to um, more functional movements and uh, eventually, especially on the floor floor exercises. Absolutely. So the the the, the patient needs to. Be confident enough to challenge their practitioner uh, if they're not getting that advice on on movement and how they can actively help themselves essentially and I guess the big question then is well how do you find that person and and you you've got to ask the question I suppose when you do your research into a chiropractor osteopath physio who's gonna um, potentially help treat you so if you're in pain and you're seeking advice then don't be afraid to ask those questions up front before you go directly into a clinic for an appointment I guess and and be confident enough to uh, challenge them and to challenge their thinking to ensure that you are getting the best advice and what we know is um, there aren't that many practitioners doing that some are doing it very very well but we have to also acknowledge that it takes more time so a practitioner will have to take more time to to give that advice and sadly that's not always the approach being taken hence the reason behind um what we're doing with with smart strong and some of the information and videos and content that we're putting out there to to support more people with this functional active approach and with that in mind what what are some of the things that people can do initially? So if someone's listening now with pain, they're going to, they've got a disc injury or, you know, they think, assume it could be, what can they do actively at this point to try and manage that pain? Cause that's the first thing people want to say, well, how can I, how can I get out of pain? How can I manage the discomfort I'm in right now? So, um, the, the first thing that you have to do is you have to find out what what exacerbates it, what makes it worse, and what triggers it, and you have to try and avoid those things. So if sitting in a car for uh, an hour driving to work every morning is making your low back hurt 
more, if you already have pain there, then you should, you know, in some cases it's possible to take the train. In other cases, you can maybe drive with a colleague. You can sit in the chair next to them, put your chair back. Uh, you don't have to push on the pedals. You know, you, you've got to explore the possibility of trying to remove the factors that are actually making it worse. That's the first thing you've got to do, I would say. Um, Which is one of the focuses of uh, a course we've got around those kind of pain triggers and getting out of those um, that discomfort initially. Um, but I think I agree. You've got to you've got to try and identify the causative factors to that pain initially. Exactly. Um, yes, and sec secondly, I think you know if if we're talking specifically main uh, mainly low back. Low, low back pain then another very good thing you can do is the simple tummy lying exercise where you lie on your on your tummy uh, on the floor uh, you gotta try and let your head relax on your hands so you put your face uh, looking either to the left or right put your head down on your hands take a deep breath breathe out try to relax your head your back relax your whole body um, and then you see what you feel in your low back. You, you you feel for either a pulling sensation or a little bit of uh, pain or uncomfortable feeling, or you you will feel that it feels actually very good, right? Because all yeah. the pressure, all the pressures off the back, you're not hanging on the back, hanging forward, standing, you're not lifting something, you're not sitting, which is also causing a lot more pressure through the back than when you would, for example, be standing. You're actually horizontal. There's no, no no pressure on the back, no pressure on the discs. This takes all the pressure off. If it feels very good, perfect. That's your most relaxed um, uh, position, posture for the low back, if you don't feel anything. If you do feel a little bit of pulling or um, uh, pressure through the back, that uncomfortable feeling, then you uh, you put a you take a towel, you fold it up into about a square or a rectangle and you put it underneath your tummy. That will cause the low back to be less hollow in that position. Um, it will be more flattened. And then you try again, relaxing the whole body, relaxing your head, taking a deep breath in and out. And maybe now it will feel, uh, you'll feel no pain compared to before where you may have feel a bit of a pulling sensation or you weren't able to relax. So th that's a very basic exercise you can do on a carpet or uh, or a floor, not on your bed, and um, you do that for about ten minutes, a couple of times a day, or if it's really serious, maybe more. Um, you know, and that's that's what I said. It's it's creating the environment to recover, and this is such a simple exercise, where you're taking all the pressure off the back, and that that's a moment of uh, recovery. Yeah, and, and it's interesting when, you know, I talk to people and, uh, you know, that the are suffering um, back pain, suddenly they, they become much more aware of uh, their their body, you know, naturally. They're in discomfort, so yeah. they, they should be thinking about those things that are causing pain because if it's if it suddenly causes an increase in that discomfort, it's, it should be a bit of a sign of, I shouldn't do that, brushing your teeth the classic uh, bending over from the spine because the height of those sinks in most uh, households isn't 
perfect for um for everyone because everyone's different heights etc etc um, but mm. it's those little things that people suddenly start to become aware of and this is something for me that um is a conscious thought that people just don't seem to have that body awareness and and the awareness of some of these habits and some of these movements that are having a detrimental impact and it only becomes um obvious or or certainly more obvious when they're when they're in discomfort so i think there's there's something there as well from a preventative point of view to be looking at the kind of daily habits and the repetitive movements that we do that that is a preventative measure for people as well not just for those people in pain exactly and that's exactly what i'm doing right now as a chiropractor for example um i'm preventing my low back or at least from what happened to happen again to my low back uh by taking care of my movement if you you know if you think of the postures that, that i have to undergo at work and so on um and i think the same thing applies to to people when they think about their own jobs you know whether you're sitting a lot or whether you're doing a physical job you have to you have to find a way of um maintaining the health of your spine throughout your job yeah and that could be you know the office worker takes micro breaks throughout the day uh and the office worker considers their posture at work and their uh, the layout of their desk and you know there's a lot more now i'm sure you've seen them the the kind of sit to stand desks as well so there's the opportunity yes. for people to work um, for a certain period of the day stood up which is quite I think a refreshing um, development that at this stage is is you know not in many many different organizations but you know I guess there's an argument to say it should be yeah of course of course I see more and more patients um, moving to a standing desk or having the option of a standing desk um, what is the little problem there uh, is the is, is the the new um, the new concept of uh, what we call in Holland uh, uh, flex desks okay. so it means you're, you're not stationary at one desk you're moving um, depending on the day to a different desk and I think that makes it a little bit more difficult uh, sometimes you might have a standing desk possibility and sometimes you don't right but if you do go for it um, my advice usually is uh, that patients, if if it's possible, give themselves uh, the possibility of three options. And those are a standing desk, a normal desk chair, obviously uh, um, the right height for them, and um, and then a saddle stool. As a saddle stool also changes the posture in your low back. Um, having your legs more on the side of the chair compared to a normal desk chair. And what about uh, the classic um, gym ball? You know, the... Um... Yeah. Yeah. Um, you see a lot, lot of... of uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of um, controversy about the, the, the typical um, gym ball to sit on at the desk. Um do you have anything anything to say about it, Ben, before I do? Well, it's it's something that I've seen 
um, a lot of people do in in offices, and a lot of people talk about and 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 discuss around using a gym ball and how it makes them sit up straighter. And I think the 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 benefit from my point of view is that it it certainly makes people um, more aware of their their posture. And, and again, the the problem I think is that people are are moving towards that when they've got a problem. Uh, and yeah. I think I think that's where the potential issues are because you know we want to be looking at uh, some of these things as a preventative measure from a you know let's look at a global approach how can we how can we reduce the back pain issues you know exactly so um, I like to explain to patients the situation in this way when they usually because quite often they ask me uh, what do you think of sitting on a gym ball and then they have a back issue already. So I, I would I would say it like this. I would explain to them when you have a back pain problem, the the reflex to stabilize the back is actually slowed down from the brain, which means that the sudden movement that you undergo in your body or in your spine and then having to react with a stabilization effect that reflex, the time that it takes from the brain to stabilize the low back is actually slowed down. So I would say to them, you have a back problem. Would you walk on ice? Right. And they'd be like, yeah. they'd be like no, of course not. Um, it will, it's more difficult walking on ice when you have back pain. <clears throat> yes, we know that. We've maybe experienced it before. So would you sit on a gym ball when you have back pain, knowing that the gym ball is triggering triggering a, a reflex where you have to stabilize as it's an unstable surface, just like ice. Um, is that a good idea if you have a, a delayed reflex in terms of stabilizing uh, the core or the low back where you have an injury in the spine? The answer is no. So I think it's a good idea to sit on a gym ball if your spine is healthy and if you have a normal timed uh, reflex when it comes to stabilizing the core but when you have a, a back issue it's probably not a good idea to sit on a gym ball you're right i mean yeah. the brain's already working harder to stabilize the area there's some inhibition um in terms of uh muscular function which means you know the core is not functioning optimally um you should you can better sit on a fixed surface, like you would walk on a fixed, uh, non-slippery surface, and that would be just a normal desk chair, you know, something uh, stable, uh, where your core works less, as it's already working harder with a back injury, and you probably be able to maintain it for a longer time if you, if you have an office job and you're required to sit all day. Um, and the other, the second point I want to make about sitting on a gimbal is we we think that when we sit on a gym ball, we automatically assume this perfect posture, and that's not always true. Uh, for a lot of people, having a perfect posture is already difficult because there might be weakness in the upper back or in the core or in the glutes um, or the deep spinal musculature. Um, so why would the, the body, if that's present, now all of a sudden assume a perfect posture when you sit on a gym ball? It will it will not address those uh, those issues. So, no. if you if you get tired sitting on a gym ball, there's a good chance that you might even start slouching. 
sooner or worse uh, on a gym ball. So I think um, there was a bit of a hype about sitting on a gym ball in front of a desk and uh, in some parts of the world it's still continuing. And yeah, and I think it's, you know, it's, it's great in some ways that, um, you know, these things are being considered by uh, different organizations, whether they might have uh, input from an occupational health team or a lot of organizations will get um, reduction in uh, costs of, of insurance for their employees if they're looking at workstations and doing assessments and things, which I'm all for in terms of um, improving the the back health of the nation, as it were. I think the sticking point for me is before that, or at least in conjunction with that, there's a missing piece for a lot of people. And that is still an a body awareness, a movement awareness. And, and what are those muscles and what are those movements that they should be doing to develop that core and develop that awareness so that they can, uh, help themselves prevent injury and I think that's that's where I think the again back to why we're doing what we're doing but I think it's driving that awareness for people and that education for people that yeah. uh, it, you know we are not designed to sit at desk all day sit in a car all day um, as a carpenter maybe I, I'll use the analogy, your back's not a crane, you know, they're bent over picking things up off the floor or they may be arched back a lot, a lot of the day. And it's, it's that awareness and that guidance to strengthen the core, be aware of the mobility and the importance of mobility around the hips, et cetera, et cetera, that is going to go alongside that. Cause as you say, you know, you could introduce a core ball, fantastic. But if you're sitting on that core ball with a poor posture, you're going to have the same problem as someone that, is sitting in a desk uh, in a in a desk chair all day with a poor posture yeah they might have pain in different areas but ultimately the problem remains yeah that's it and i think um that's that's our goal is to educate people and, and help them to understand what's going on in their own bodies and where they could maybe address some of their specific issues and strengthen the structure throughout um, I think a big deal of it is it's happening in many um, aspects of our lives at the moment. You can compare it to, to food, for example, nutrition. It's the same thing. I think 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, people just ate. You thought, okay, if I just put something in my mouth, it doesn't really matter what it is. Yeah. Um, you know, if I'm full, I've had food, and that's fine. And um uh, you know, people were completely turned off to the to the idea that it really matters what you put in your mouth, and it really matters that I get all the necessary nutrients in my body, preferably on a daily basis, if I want to function optimally, if I want to function normal, if I want to have good uh, a good thinking process, or uh, be being you know have the ability to recover after a hard day's work and it's the same thing for movement and i think that's what we're setting out to do is to create uh that same kind of awareness uh of what's going on in your body where am i weak and where can i strengthen that and how can i maintain that and how can i enjoy my body yeah absolutely and i think the you know there's some again you know there's some great information out there and there's some personal trainers out there but again it's it, it's coming from the point of view of, of back health, particularly 
joint health um, as a whole ultimately um, but what are those what are those movement patterns and what are those um, things that people should be aware of on a daily basis that are are really going to put them in the best position to resist injury in the first place manage injury that they're suffering or prevent a previous injury coming back and yeah. again people you know it, the lives that we lead we're not designed to do genetically we haven't changed much in however many years but actually w- work-wise and um the uh, you know the nature of what we do has fundamentally changed so previously we were hunter gatherers we'd run out and we'd have to catch our food we'd be up and about and that so you know often people will say well what's the best posture well the best posture is a variable posture because we're not designed to just sit in one pace all day even if that posture is fantastic you're still not designed to sit in that one position for eight hours in the day Uh, and i think that's the that's the key point for me and the uh, in the interest is to get that message across to people because you really have to um, help yourselves as well as rely on help when you get a problem. So how can we, how can we prevent it? And uh, I think these, you know, daily habits are, uh, are something that we, we can really focus on as individuals. You know, how are we getting out of bed in the morning? You know, how are you tying your shoelaces in the morning? You know, have an awareness of um, that neutral spine and that neutral posture, which we talk about a lot on the um, on the website. So there's a lot of free content and material there and videos to support, but it's about having that awareness and doing the thinking yourselves on a daily basis, not just when you've got a problem, when you've got pain, but but before you're suffering an issue. Because if you're really starting to think about it, then you're really going to help yourself to become more resilient. I think that's that's the important message. That's it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that's a good time to draw a close, Jacob. And uh, thanks again. And uh, next time we'll be delving more into fixing your movement. So hope you've enjoyed the content today, guys. Hope you've enjoyed what you've heard. Hope it's given you some ideas of how you can manage back pain, particularly if you suspect it's a, a disc problem or you've been given a diagnosis of a disc problem. Really think about uh, the the movements that you're making on a daily basis and those repetitive uh, motions you're doing so that you can you're going to break up those postures and and help to give your back a break and and the exercise that Jacob talked about in terms of relaxation head on over to the website we'll have uh, some detail in the show notes so that you can uh, you can get some more guidance on exactly how how to do that to to start to alleviate your pain today so thanks again and we'll speak again soon <laughs>